Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Well, good morning, church. We were all at the park last week and we were dying of heat. And then one week later, later it's a total different ball game, right? This is what it is to live in Canada. Beautiful nation, right? Beautiful country. We don't know what to expect, but it's going to be good. Excellent. Like I said, it's good to see you all. Welcome to all our visitors. Uh, one of the things that, uh, before I go to the message, one of the things we used to do uh, before the era of COVID is that we had uh, offerings, and now we don't, and we have places to uh, drop the offerings. But one of the things that I think we forgot when it comes to our generosity or tithing and our, our offering is that we, t- we, I think what we did is we removed the spiritual aspect of it. It's like we, I, I think we, we give because we want to support and we want uh, to invest and, and we believe in the house. But I, I believe that generosity is an act of worship. And when you give, it's really worship unto the Lord. And so we, we want to see that be present as we get together as much as we want to worship God with our song and, and our praises. Also, we want to give him our first fruits. Uh, and, and I think it's important for us to realize that when you give, it's an act of worship. It's not just supporting the church. It's really giving to God to say, God, I give you uh, my first fruits. I trust you that you will care for me as I put you first. And I want you to remember that, that as you do that, as you fill in your uh, online or whatever you do every week, um, remember that it's an act of worship. I think it's an important factor. Can I pray for this? Father, I thank you for uh, all those that are giving here or later on. Uh, we want to give you uh, our first fruits. We want to honor you in all that we do. We want to honor you in, in our giving. We want to um, celebrate the fact that you've blessed us in so many different ways and that we want to live a life that, uh, of gratitude and generosity and honor where we honor you with our first fruits. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are entering summer, and I can see it a bit uh, by attendance this morning. Uh, We'll be starting next week uh, our series on Psalms through the summer, but today I'd like to talk about uh, about grace, uh, this amazing topic of grace, the beauty of grace. And so before we go to his word, I will ask you to stand, and we'll present ourselves before the Lord. We'll ask the Lord just to tenderize our hearts and... um, uh, speak to us on a personal level, also on a, on a corporate level. Father God, we come before you and we come to your word and we thank you that your word is powerful and that your word is able to minister, to bring life, to build up. We thank you that your word doesn't come with condemnation. It might come with conviction. Um, it might come with, uh, with the purpose of challenging us to grow. And we say yes to that. We want to see you grow in us, and we want to see your will and what you have in store come to pass or take root in us. So I just pray that you would go and, and, and go beyond my words and that you would speak to every heart. You know, you know exactly where each heart is, and you have a word in season. So we just want you to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You may grab a seat. So this topic of grace, it's, I can't really make justice with one, on one service. Actually, at, at first, I thought of making a series uh, on grace, and I probably will in the future. 
Um, but when it comes to grace, grace is God's divine intervention or God's divine blessing. For example, when it comes to salvation, the only way for me to experience God on a personal level or to enter in God's presence or to know that I have a future with God, it's through Jesus. Jesus is the bridge, right? And Jesus came and died on the cross. And because of that, we have access to the Father. Um, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that it's, it's by faith that we are saved through grace. And we understand that grace is the way for us to experience Jesus. And for some of us, we were raised in a religious um, setting. And for some of you or some of us, well, we were not raised in a religious setting. But you thought that by doing good, you would gain God's favor. Or for myself, when I grew up, it was like if you do good stuff, then God is pleased. And you try to earn your salvation. You try to win God's favor. You're, you're working hard to have God's approval. And when it comes to grace, grace is a gift. Grace is not earned. Grace is not won. It's received freely as we see our need of God, right? As we see our need to be saved and redeemed, knowing that we can't do it. So when it comes to our works, whatever we do, it always comes short. It's never enough when it comes to fulfilling or filling out or addressing God's holiness and sanctification or justice because the reality is God is just and God is holy and the only way for me to satisfy that, that, satisfy that holiness is through Jesus that carried our sin on the cross and because of him in my life, now I'm righteous and I am accepted by him. Amen? So that's grace. But at the same time, there's another perspective of grace where God's grace is giving us what we need to do his will. One of the things that, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, when it comes to following God, I came to this knowledge, and you probably did too, that I can't do it on my own. I just can't do it. One of the things that's discouraging sometimes is that you, uh, you start a year with a resolution, or you, you say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start to be loving. I'm going to start to be generous. I'm going to start to do that. But when you carry, on, carry this on your own, you realize that you can't do it. And one of the things that happen is that we try to do good, we try to follow God, and, and we see our failures and our coming short, and we experience discouragement. And we, we, we feel like what, we don't know what to do next. And, and what happens is that sometimes what we do is we run away, and sometimes what we do is we harden our hearts, and sometimes what we do is we just quit moving forward because we are totally aware of our failures and our mistakes and we feel or we think that there is no way out or we don't know how to move forward. For example, you look at marriage, you, you want to have a healthy marriage and you try stuff and you try stuff and then you find yourself back at the same place you were before with minimal changes. And so what do you do? And that brings discouragement. So my message this morning may encourage you or may discourage you. But my purpose is to encourage you, right? So I think it's going to be good. But the thought is, when it comes to doing life, I can't do it alone. And the reality for me to follow Jesus, I can't do it. And so, so what do I do if I can't do it? But I need to realize this when it comes to following God because we have a tendency of going back to how we were formatted and it's all about try to do and try to accomplish and try to fulfill. And when we do this more and more, we, we hit a wall and then we get discouraged and we say, well, I just can't do it. 
And I think it's a good place to be when we acknowledge that we can't do it. It's the same thing with salvation. When it came to salvation, we came to a point where we understood that we could not save ourselves. So we turned to him, uh, to him that took our sins and made a way to the Father. It's the same thing when it comes to doing life. I can't do it alone. Uh, in Matthew in, in Matthew, Jesus addresses that. In chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mountain, he addresses that. Actually, he gives us a secret, and actually, he brings his people to a place of challenge because he's asking things to the crowd and to the, his disciples that the disciples are not able to fulfill. He, he, he brings the disciples to a point where the disciples says, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, he talks about murder. It says the law, the law says that you should not murder. But if you have uh, anger, is that sp- it's as bad. So what do you do with that? <laughs> Whoa. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to murder anyone, but anger, that's, well, hey, I, I, I do date Hank anger once in a while, and anger t- takes control of my life. And what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about heart condition, and when it came to the Pharisees or to the law, it was based on behavior and you do this and you do that. And the reality is, is when it comes to religion, sometimes it, it, we focus on doing this and doing that and trying to do it on our own. And Jesus was trying to say on the Sermon on the Mountain is that you can't do it. You can't do it. And actually the law is about showing us, if you look at the law of the Old Testament, it's to show us that we are sinners and that we can't fulfill it. But we needed Jesus to come and take our place. But it's the same thing when it comes to doing life. I cannot follow Jesus by myself. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I really need his assistance. If I want to be godly, if I want to be a godly father, a godly husband, a godly pastor, a godly citizen, a godly neighbor, I can't do this on my own. I can't. I can't improve myself to some degree, but I cannot have a heart transformation on my own. I cannot change my heart on my own. I need assistance. I need God in my life. Like, I don't want to just live a life of conformity or legalism or following rules or walking abstinence. What I need to see, I need to see my heart being reached. Like the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I can control my lips as much as I want, but what works the best is to see my heart be changed right? Because if my heart is changed, then what will come out of it will be based on what is in my heart. So what Jesus came to do on the Sermon on the Mountain, and as he did ministry, was to see us having a new heart. And so that's what makes makes me be able to follow him, is when I experience transformation in the inside. And the only way that I can experience transformation in the inside is when I'm encountered by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is real in my life, when I have interaction with the Holy Spirit, when I realize that his role and his desire is to make me more and more like Jesus, the problem is I cannot build up the fruit of the Spirit in me. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. So I need to see the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is wrong. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it in any way. So what do you do with that? Pretty discouraging, right? You got here the, 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 the king of apostles, and he says, I can't do it. 
I, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. Ah, what a mess. I'm a mess. That's what he says. But he doesn't stop there. What he does, he explains the reality of what we deal with. And how we do stuff, and most of the times, we try to improve ourselves by our own effort. And when we do that, we hit a wall because it doesn't work. And then he talks, and he goes, and he talks about the works of the flesh and all that. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, he kind of gives, well, he gives this answer. For those who live according to the flesh sets their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Boom. Can you tell your neighbor? Boom. Can you say that? Boom. What a revelation here. What a revelation. You can fight all your life against the flesh. You can experience abstinence. You can uh, torture your body. You can do all kind of stuff to prevent what's inside to come out. But what really needs to happen is this has to change. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. When I was preparing this sermon, I realized how I am in deep need. That I can't do it on my own. I can't follow Jesus on my own. I can't walk in, in righteousness on my own. I'd like to unpack that in a moment. But Paul says here that the only way I can walk according to his ways, the ways of the Father, it's when I am changed and when I experience the filling of the Holy Spirit and the move of the Spirit in my life. Look what it says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26. An amazing verse. I love that these verses because it's a prophetic words of what the Holy Spirit will do in the life of the church, in the life of the believer, in the coming, through the coming of the Messiah. It says, I will give you a new heart. That's good, eh? And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart, I, I, will, I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So he's gonna give us a heart of flesh. A heart that is tender. I'll put my spirit in you. And what really, really gets to me in this verse that always does is that, and I will move you to follow my degrees and, and be careful to, to keep my, my laws. I will move you. I will move you. Who moves us? It's the Holy Spirit. How do I walk in God's decrees? How do I fulfill his, his ways? How can I walk in a way that honors him? It's only when I move by the Holy Spirit. It's not by good intention. It's not by making a, a, a New Year's resolution. It's not by saying, okay, today I will change. It's not going to work. You've tried, it, you've tried that and you've been there. You're going to say, I'm going to be a better husband this morning. Yeah, fine. You'll be good for a little while. But you'll fall back in, in, uh, in your whole habits because your heart is still the same. You may, uh, you may mow the lawn, mow the lawn, mow the lawn, but the roots are still there. It's always going to come back. So what needs to happen is that I need to have a new heart. And that's a prophetic word that we find in Ezekiel. Jesus, well, God says that there's going to be an era where God will come and bring uh, his spirit in us. And, and by his spirit, I can follow his ways. So what do I need? I need to come back to the basics. And that is to experience the presence of God. Experience the Holy Spirit. You know how life is, eh? Life is busy. Life is twisted, so many happening, so much things that happen. And the moment you get, you get astray, you get astray from God, you walk away from him, what happens is that you go back to your old ways. Even though you have good intention, even though that your heart is not bad, but you can't follow God on your own. You know what I need to do? I need to come in his presence and 
cross my leg with them, and then have enough time to cross the other one. Right? It's hard on this leg. <laughs> I got to do some, some exercise. You go before God, you cross your leg. Okay, God, it's amazing. You're so good. I got to take the time, a little bit more time to cross the other leg too. Because if I don't do that, I can't do his ways. If I don't connect with God, if I'm not filled by the Spirit, if I don't let God in, I can't do his ways. I can't preach a thousand sermons for the next so many years. If I don't give access to the Holy Spirit, it will not take root. What it will encourage you is to do stuff, and you will do stuff, but it won't last. Because it's not initiated in the Holy Spirit. It's not Him doing it in you, you see? So when I do stuff, it goes a distant, but I run out of fuel. I, I function on fumes. But when He's in me, and I invite Him, and He walks with me, I'm conscious of that, and I ask Him to lead me, I'm dependent on Him, He's part of my life, it changes everything. And then this is where you see a new clothes. And how do you get a new clothes? Well, through conversion, but also through the transformation and the reality of the Holy Spirit. It says, renew your mind in Romans chapter 12. And this is where the Holy Spirit speaks to you as you break the word and as you connect with God. It's so important for us to realize that. That in Ezekiel 36 verse 27, I'll put a spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. I need to be moved. It's not optional. It's not, you know, there's a good option that God has. You can do it on your own or he can move you. No, you can't do it on your own. I can't do it. Can you say that to your neighbor? I can't do, I can't do it. I can't follow his ways. I need to admit that. I can't. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I can't. So we stop here? No. We say, but Holy Spirit was given. And by the Holy Spirit, then I can rise up and do what I'm called to do, right? Look, look what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And, and Jesus is asking his people, the crowd and the disciples, to live by this. And in reality, what he's telling them is that they can't. He says in verse 1, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, and Jesus went up the mountainside and sat down, and his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need of him, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are those who are humble, and, and they will in inherit the earth. And, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And then he goes and says in verse 7, blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And verse 8, blessed are those who, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And blessed are those who work for peace, and they will be called children of God. In verse 10, and blessed are those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of God is theirs. And we see the blessings here. It says, blessed are those, or God blesses those. And it talks about being satisfied and being complete. In other versions, we'll say happy, where, hey, you, you're, you're, you're complete. You, you, you are, things are good. You're, you're making a difference. That you, you are satisfied inside. But in reality, when Jesus was saying this, um, to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, to be merciful and to have a pure heart and, and to work for peace and, and to shine even though you're persecuted. I can't do that. 
So he's talking with his disciples and he's giving how we should live life. And he focuses not on behavior but on the heart. And the people are there and they, they realize they can't do it. But Jesus was sending them up for the Holy Spirit that was to come. You can't do this but... And like it says in, in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, but you will receive the Holy Spirit. And by this, you will be able to do and to walk according to his ways, right? So the reality is I need to, I need to know that for me to be able to walk in God, I, I need him. I can't do it. If you look at verse 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need of him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I can't even do that. I can't even do that. Like when I let myself go, I, 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 don't, need, I don't seek for him. I, I'll seek things and do this and do that. And, and the reality is I can't do it if he's not in my life. Look what it says in John 15 verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can't do nothing. I, I can't even... I can't even be desperate for God if it's not him that does it in me. So, so, so what I need to do is God is, is to say, God, I really need you today. Every day, I need your assistance. I need you to lead me. I want you to do what, what, what you are able to do in my life so I can follow you. It, it would be so simple if we would follow this, this idea that we can't do it if we're not in him. And that if we are in him, then it's possible to see us be godly. In verse 4, it says, God bless those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And, and, and here it, it talks about not just mourning because you're going through a hard time. You're mourning because your heart is touched. You look at this world that is broken, you mourn. You look at the reality of what people are going through, you mourn. You're tender to the needs of others. And I want to be like that. But the only way it can be like that is by the touch and the work of the Holy Spirit. I can watch a little clip of, on vis, uh, from, I don't know, uh, a, a, um, uh, like uh, a kid's sponsorship. I might watch it, and then I move on. But for me to have true compassion in my heart, it's only by the Holy Spirit. So I, I need him for that. I can't even do it my, on my own. So when it comes to be mourn, mourning or when it comes to have a tender heart, uh, I, I can't do it on my own. I need him. And it says in Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repented heart, O God. Like I want to be tender to him. And I don't want to harden my heart when it comes to sin. I don't want to find excuses. I don't want to walk in justification. I want to be tender. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those that want to change. Blessed are those that are not looking at self-preservation. And how do we self-preserve ourselves is when we harden our hearts. So, so you want to have a tender heart. You say, God, I want to have a tender heart. But the only one that gives you a tender heart, according to Ezekiel, is the Holy Spirit. So I need him in my life. It says in verse 5, blessed are those who are humble, and they will inherit the whole earth. I can't even do that on my own. You know what comes to the service? Pride. Independence. I can't do it on my own. Look down on my, on my neighbor. And when my neighbor is struggling, I, I say to him, or I think about that, if you would do what I do, you wouldn't struggle. I, 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 and this is what I, I need God in my life. I need to have humility in my life. It says in Psalm 25 verse 9, 
He guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them to his ways. So I want to be guided. I want to see him teach me his ways, but I need to be humble. And how will I experience humility? It's in him. It's not something that you do. It's not something you pump yourself up in the morning. The only way you'll have humility is when you go to God and you cross one knee for a moment and you cross the other knee for another moment and you think about how he humbled himself to the cross and you meditate on who Jesus is and you say, Holy Spirit, I want to live like this, but I just can't. May you empower me. May you move me. This is why the disciples were in the upper room because they had this mandate to go and preach to all the nations, but they were not able you look at Peter that denies Jesus. You look at the disciples that were walking in fear and they were in this, this room afraid that they would die too. What happened is that when they were encountered with the Holy Spirit, it changed everything. And that's what I need, not just once, but I should live under that, that cloud or, or that blessing of being filled and renewed by the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to grace, it's to understand that we're not doing this alone, but God wants to empower me to do his will. And he wants to work in my life in that way. Now, for sure, when it comes to being humble, I think it's okay to have an honest view of ourselves and to laugh over ourselves, right? Not to take us too seriously. But realize that the only progress that you can have or the only growth that will happen in your life, it's because of him and you, not because of you. Not because of your good intention. It's only because of him. And when you adopt this mindset, everything changes. It says in verse 6, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. Desire godliness in my life. Desire, like it says, hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's huge. I can't do this. I can't do it for a little short little while. But I can't do that. Like, pfft. I can see the, the crowd that is at the feet of Jesus when he's teaching, blessed are those who are, righteous, like, are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Okay, I can't do this. No, you can't. And God never expected me to do it. You see, that's the beauty of it. But he expects me to tap into the Holy Spirit that he will do it through me. And so I'm called to be hungry and thirst for righteousness. And so it's, the, it's, it's important to have that in my life. Like I was going through the beatitude and I said, I want to see this in my life, God. I want to see this in my life. I want to see that in my life too, God. But I can't do it. And I want to let you know this morning, good news. And the bad news is I'm telling you you can't do it, so you can't do it. That's the bad news. The good news is that you can't do it. But God is. That's the good news, right? Depending on how you want to see it. It can be a bad news. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, man. Oh, it's too bad. No. You, you, th this is true. You can't do it. But you can in him. And this is what grace is all about. So I want to find myself in him, right? Look at verse 7. God blesses those who are merciful. They'll be shown mercy. And that is to walk in forgiveness and Walk with love that does not expect anything in return. It's where mercy triumphs over judgment. When I look at this, I can't do that. Like, my love is so conditional. My love is so focused on what I can get, right? If someone shows me love, then hold oh, nah, like, you know? And Jesus says, uh, you've heard that you're called to love uh, the one that loves you, but, but I see that you love your enemies. How do you do that? 
right? So what he was telling them, you can't do it on your own. Come on, guys, go to the gym. You can't do it on your own. No, he says, you can't just, you can't love your enemies by yourself unless God moves you to love your enemies. See, I gotta be moved by the Holy Spirit. I gotta be moved by the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need to be encountered by the Holy Spirit for my marriage, for what, I'm, what is before me. I need to see him take over. I need to see him, see him take over. Can you say that to your neighbor? I need to see him take over. I really do. I really need, I really need to see him take over because I cannot do what I'm called to do on my own. I just can't. And I need to acknowledge that, that I can't. And when you acknowledge that you can't, you're in a good place because this is where you start to depend on him. This is where you start to allow time for him in your life. If you don't allow time for him in your life and you're not willing to cross your knee and cross on one side and cross your knee another time, you will never experience transformation. Your Christianity will only be shallow. It will only be focused on what you can do. And then you'll start to judge and then you build up religion and standards that are not godly. Because the only way that I can do what I'm called to do is by the influence of the Holy Spirit. There's no other way. There's no other way. If that doesn't happen in my life, there's not going to be a lot of changes that will happen. It says in verse 8, God blesses those whose heart are pure, for they will see God. Here it talks about motives. Motives are pure and godly, based on loving God and loving others. I can't do this. I can't do this, but he can. I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Let all that you do be done with love. I can't do this. I'll say one of the major phrases I said this morning is I can't do this, right? So that was not a hard sermon to prepare. <laughs> you, you can't do this. You can't do that. Psalm 26 verse 2 says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. God, I, 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 I want you in my life. I, I want you in my life. I, I can't do it on my own. I need your assistance. And in verse 9 it says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. To be someone that works towards reconciliation and does the extra mile for unity. Ouch. I can't do it. You know, I've been hurt. I did my part of the journey. They have to do theirs. And until they do their part, well, my hands are clean. Really? Good thing Jesus didn't act that way with us, eh? He went the extra mile. I want to be open to go to the extra mile. I want to be open to do what I'm called to do. It's to take the towel and wash other people's feet. I've, it's not a feeling thing. It's not something I feel. But I want to have this prompting of the Holy Spirit in me. I want to, him to haunt me and, and to say, Claude, you got to do something about it. you got to do something about it. You want to do something about it. I want to hear his voice. And when that happens, then it causes me to do something about it. But really, in the flesh, I can't do it. The last one, it says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Like, it's to do good even when people don't see it. It's to do good even though people don't accept it or receive it. Even, then, even if they condemn it, you continue to do good. How do you do that? How do you do that? Come on. You do good, they close the door, so I did my part. But then you do it again. You walk an extra mile for the soldiers that you find in, in the example he gave on the Sermon on the Mountain. He asked you to walk one mile, walk another mile. How? how? And then the, the disciples in the crowd are saying, how? 
How do we do this? New heart, new motive, a new motor. It's the Holy Spirit. You see, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives if we want to follow his ways. We can't do it on our own. So how do I do this? I kind of already gave you some points on this. How do I see this in my life? I need to believe that God can do this in me. It's not a fairy tale. I need to believe that God can do this in me. Maybe you've tried it before and it didn't work because you did it on your own. But what you need to do is you need to let him fill you. You need to stay with him. you got to cross a knee, cross another knee. Stay there long enough so that he, he moves in you and changes you from the inside. But the thing is, it's not a fairy tale. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, it's a fairy tale. Because I can't do it. I can't. No way I can't do that. And, and some of us, we believe like the fruit of the Spirit, like that is, or when it comes to godliness, we look at it, it's unachievable. And it is unachievable on your own. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. It's the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It's not your fruit. So it's so important for us to believe that God can do this in me. I, what I need to do is ask for help. It's to expect him, taking time with, to be with him and to realize that the work of the Holy Spirit, the desire of the Holy Spirit, it's to empower me to do the will of the Father. That's what he wants to do. That's why he's here. So I need to tap in his presence. The second point is I talked already on that. I need to linger or experience his presence and to be filled by him. I need to take time to interact with him through his word, and I need to abide in him. I need to abide in him. I got to take the time. Summer's at hand, and we're going on holidays. My prayer is that you don't take holidays from God. But in your holiday, get, get closer to God. Take a walk in the bush. Take a walk whatever you, where you, wherever you go. Connect with God and say, God, hey, I want to be godly, but as you know, I can't. <laughs> I, I just can't. You see, I tried to do this. I tried to walk uh, close to those people, and you see, I can't. I've tried, and it didn't work. So I need you to step in. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to step in. It, it might not be overnight. Like when you, when you build a wall with someone, you build it brick by brick. And sometimes we build it brick by brick, and then we say, God, remove it. And God says, yeah, I will remove it, but it might happen brick by brick too. So this is where you have to constantly rely on God. Always say, God, I can't do it today again. But you're there. Help me out. And you're in your business, and you got things to do, and you don't know how to do stuff. You go in the washroom, you take five, and you say, God, I can't do this. Help me out. I can't do this. Help me out. And it seems wrong to say I can't do it because we live in a society of pride. You can't do it. No, you can't. No. But he can as you give him room, as you invite him, as, as you humble yourself before him. So I need to linger and, ex and experience his presence to be filled by him. Thirdly, I need to remember it. it's a slow death. It's all about surrender. It's to involve God in my daily life, in everything. It's to keep my eyes on him. And the little things, because it's the little things that becomes big things, right? It's the little things. When you, have you ever been in a place where you know that you, you're in your head that you have a choice of heart in your heart or not? Like you are, let's say, in a relationship and you say, you, 
I'm going to harden my heart in my heart or I'm going to let it go. Like it happens to all of us, right? So when I choose to harden my heart, nothing happens at this moment here, but you're putting a brick. And then you'll have this tendency of reacting this way, so you're going to put another one, another one, another one, another one, another one. And then it comes to a wall, and then you lost your emotions, you lost your heart, you lost everything, and you wonder why. And you tell God, where are you? Well, the thing is you built a wall. The thing is you want to be able to hear his voice instead of hoarding your heart. Because hoarding a heart doesn't happen overnight. Becoming indifferent in your marriage and relationship and something doesn't happen overnight. You don't get up in the morning and you have a hard heart. You know, you build one brick after the other. So that's why you got to involve God in all that you do where you're having interaction and you have a conversation with God in all the little things because the little things become big things if you don't deal with the little things properly. So you say, God, Holy Spirit, I need you. I can't do it on my own. So it's to involve him in my daily life and to keep my eyes on him and, and to invite him. So I need to remember that it's a, a slow death, that it's, it's a, about surrender, that, I, that when I do little decisions during the day, I need, his, I need his, his, his influence. Number four, it's to be afraid of hoarding one's heart, afraid of a buildup. Like I wasn't too sure if I was going to write afraid. But I need to be afraid of having a hard heart I got to be afraid of it. I got to be on my guard. I don't want to have a hard heart. And it's one brick at a time. So I need his help in my life not to do that. So I want, but I need to be conscious. I don't want to have a hard heart, right? And my prayer this morning as I wrap up this message that we would have such a desire to have a tender heart and we would be afraid of having a hard heart. That when the heart, heart wants to, when the thought of hoarding your heart comes, you say, I don't want that. I don't want that. And the only way you'll do that is you would, in communion with the Holy Spirit. You don't want to grow cold or indifferent, but you want to be quick to repent. And that's only by the Holy Spirit. My last point is to be accountable, to ask for prayer, and to be vulnerable. This is why we have a prayer room in the church. I remember when we sat down and we designed the church, we wanted to have a prayer room. Why? It's because we need help. We need each other. We live, like I said, in a world of pride that you don't want to show that you have needs. But the reality is you can't do it. I can't do it. I need God in my life. I need others sometimes to walk with me and to pray for me because I need, need help. So, so my prayer for you today is to realize that we live under grace and God has never wanted us to do things on our own. But he wants us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He wants to lead us with the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, righteousness is found in the Holy Spirit. It's not found in your own energy and, and by what you can do. It's only found in Him. If the church can admit that, I think we're on the right track. But we acknowledge that we can do it, and but we turn to God and we let Him influence us. Where we marinate long enough for Him to change me. Would I take the time for him to speak to me where I go before him and I say, God, empower me. That you would live a life like in the upper room. God, we are called to be making disciples makers, but we can't. And then the rushing wind came. 
They were all filled with the Spirit, tongues of fire on their heads. And the one that denied the Lord came out with a message that rocked Israel and rocked the world. And here we are today because of the Holy Spirit. You see, we need the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.